We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, grinders and VegasInsiders.coms? It is Holden Kushner here alongside Dan Bach from Roto Grinders and Kevin Rogers from VegasInsider.com. Looking very handsome today, boys. How's everybody doing? Week 16 already. We're going to look at the Saturday slate. We got three games. Uh, because all these games seem to be really good ones, Sunday has one game where both teams are over 500. That'd be the Saints at the Titans. Here we go. We got Texans and Bucks. We got the Bills at the Patriots, very important game in the AFC, and then the Rams at the Niners uh, in the nightcap. How you doing there, K. Raj? How was Week 15? And uh, give me a little overview here on the slate, and why are you smirking and looking to your left? The only reason why, thank you, is Be we're having some movement. No, we're mo- we're having some movement here at the office, and the door was closed, and the door just barely opened as soon as you started your open, mm-hmm. and they're they got the bubble wrap and all this other stuff, and I'm kind of like. Just close the door instead of me getting up. So luckily he saw me. The gentleman saw me and closed the door. So we're good now. So, okay, let's do this. So, uh, yeah, guys. So basically I had Atlanta on Sunday, so that was good. I didn't have the over in that game, which is even better. And you had the two crazy endings with the Eagles, Redskins, and the Falcons, 49ers. So if you were on the wrong side of those, we apologize. Hey, uh, Dan, I had a little tummy issue on uh, – it wasn't tummy, it was a head issue. On uh, – what day was that? Sunday. Sunday. So thank you thank you for wor- working for me on crunch time, and thank you for giving me Miles Sanders. I mean, that really helped me. So appreciate that. He crushed it. He wasn't even on my radar until I watched you. Yeah, man, I, I was excited. That was a huge hit at, like, really low mm-hmm. ownership, and uh, it turned out to be a, a decent Sunday. Could have been a little bit better, but all in all, not a bad Sunday, and – it's kind of interesting this week, though, because no Thursday night. Instead, we get kind of like a, a mini Thanksgiving site or, or, or slate, you know, with uh, three games on Saturday. So um, kind of like two weeks in one. 
here. Yeah, we don't have to deal with the Lions, and we don't have to deal with the Cowboys. So that's good. Let's get into these games, guys. We'll go to K-Raj for the, for the lines and then the over-under, and then we'll go to Dan for the DFS perspective. Saturday slate, 1 o'clock Eastern time, Texans at the Bucks. This was Bucks minus one about a week and a half ago. Now it's the Texans minus three. So, K-Raj, I don't know which Texans team is going to show up. I do know that the Bucs are completely depleted offensively, but Jameis can go out there and throw it 50 times anyways. Give me your sense first on this line here is Houston, three-point favorites on the road. You totally hit on the head, Holden, as far as the Texans, which team are you going to get? And they've been so good off a loss this year, and that worked out last week against Tennessee in that victory over the Titans. But now they go from a road underdog to a road favorite in this spot against Tampa Bay, where we know the Bucs are not going to the playoffs, but they still want to finish at 500, which is still a very good possibility here down the stretch. But uh, for Tampa Bay, when you see what they've done during this four-game winning streak, I go back to who have you beaten? Detroit with a backup quarterback. The Colts, who we see have just totally melted down over the final half of the season. Jacksonville, who has fallen apart. And Atlanta, who, even though they played better, Still, uh, Tampa Bay went in there and they caught the Falcons off back-to-back road wins over Carolina and New Orleans. So you kind of uh, were able to catch them in a bad spot. And they beat Arizona earlier this season. They barely covered that game. The only win they have over a team of the winning record is the Rams back in September. So Tampa Bay, yeah, they've cleaned up. Jameis has thrown the ball all over the place. No Mike Evans. But I think with the Texans here, seeing that they have the AFC South on the horizon to win that title and try to avoid that week 17 game against Tennessee, making that the AFC uh, South championship. I think Houston will come out and play well this Saturday. All right, DB. If we start at quarterback here, at least on DraftKings, the two highest priced QBs are right here. You got Winston at 6,900. You got Watson at 7,000. Pick your poison. But, you know, from here, you're going to probably have exposure to everybody if if you're playing the GPPs. But if you had to pick one, Watson or Winston, with that depleted wide receiver core, again, Rashad Perriman's going to be their number one, who I loved last week, and I think I'm going to like him again this week. But Watson or Winston? Yeah, I think you got to go Watson. I mean, simply because he's got, you know, better um... – Better receivers to throw to. He gives you the opportunity to uh, run the run the football with his legs. That's more fantasy points that way. And they're favored by three points. Now, I, I will say, though, like this does feel like an, an odd spot, an odd line. Houston only a three-point favorite here. A, a team that obviously is competing to make the playoffs, positioning all that jazz in Tampa Bay. Even though you know their coaching staff's clearly coming back, they want to finish 500, but ultimately – not a lot to play for. Their two best offensive weapons and Godwin and Evans are out, and they're still only three-point dogs in this one. I would have thought they would be closer to like five, maybe even six here against Houston, mm-hmm. uh, considering the the targets that Jameis Winston's going to have to throw to here. I mean, Perriman looked great last week, but you know, if, if you bracket coverage on him, who's left? You've got the corpse of O.J. Howard. Uh, you've got uh, Watson. Yeah, Scotty Just, Miller. <laughs> Scotty Miller might not even play. I mean, he left last week with a uh, with a hamstring himself. I mean, the, the last guy that we've got even in the player pool on DraftKings is some guy named Ishmael Hyman. I've never even heard of the dude. So that's uh, K. Rogers' cousin. So I I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, I saved think... that one for you, Holden. Yeah. <laughs> 
Not the tribe, boys. Not in the tribe. Go, go on, go on. So, I, I, I mean, I, I, I think the, uh, I think it's just an interesting line to look at. Um, that it's even this, this competitive of a line of, of just a field goal here, considering yeah. you know what's at stake and the injuries that exist. Because let's face it, the, the, you know, the, the one position they have that's healthy is the running back spot. But Tampa doesn't want to run the ball. So it's a curious line for me, and it's it's also making me hesitate a little bit uh, on the DFS side of things. But um, but definitely Watson over Winston. But don't you at least have to consider Howard or Bright, considering that – I mean, Bobo oh, yeah. Wilson could be called – team preseason, Bobo Wilson might be a part of this team, along with Ishmael Hyman. I mean, there's – again, there's some names going on here. And uh, I, I, to tell you the truth, I think at GPPs, any of these guys are worth a shot. And I, you talk about bracket coverage. I still love Perriman. I mean, he's just going to get the volume. If Jameis is going to throw it 50 times, this guy's getting at least 10, 12 targets. I'll take that. Yeah. Um, will he do anything with him, though? I mean, we'll see. I mean, he, he's a number three who's moving into a number one spot. Uh, that's a huge jump. And yes, he was six for 113 last game, had those three touchdowns, but half of that game was with Chris Godwin out on the uh, on the field. I, I think you nailed it, though. I think it's the tight end spot to look to. A Howard and or a Brait. I mean, Brait's 3,500. I think he's probably going to be overlooked. And at least he's a target that we know Winston has been comfortable with historically. So uh, Howard, you know, had I think seven or eight targets last week. Um, uh, had five the week before he's double digit fantasy points in two of the last three games. And it's, I mean, you kind of nailed it. Like the ball has to go somewhere. We figure Houston's going to score. So where do we run it back with Tampa? I think a lot of people are going to go to Perriman. I might not do it. I think the tight ends are a much better call here from the Tampa Bay side. All right. So K Raj, this opened at 53 with the total. Now it's down to 50 and a half, 51. That's a nice number. The Bucs do put up some points. Uh, does Houston have enough defense to shut that down so we don't get to 50? The problem is the Houston defense has just been so up and down this year, Holden. When you look at a good defensive performance, I mean, I don't even know if it was a good defensive performance. They held the Titans at 21, who were on a 7-0 overstreak with Ryan Tannehill. So I guess you can call that a nice victory with 21 points allowing uh, allowed to Tennessee. But Tampa Bay, it's hard to ignore this overrun they've been on, that they've hit the over in 11 of 12 games. And they hit it last week. They had to pick six late. And obviously, Jameis had a huge game. But at the same time, when you look at these numbers, they put up 38, 38, 35 over this winning streak, even 30 against Arizona, that this is a team that can obviously score. We know Houston has the potential to put up the numbers and you know, if you get both these teams 26-27 apiece, it, it, it goes over the total. And I just can't think that the Buccaneers are going to stop anybody. And now the Buccaneers actually face a, a decent quarterback in Deshaun Watson after not facing one the last few weeks. So I would lean over just because of what the Bucs have done in these high-scoring games in Houston. They definitely have the potential to score, too. Yep, it's in Tampa Bay real quick. Uh, Dan, from the Houston side, you talked about the wide receivers. I mean, is Kenny Stills the guy to go to no matter what? I mean, I think we're chasing a little bit from last week, right? I mean, he only had three receptions in the game, and two of them happened to go for touchdowns, where if you look at Will Fuller, he played like 98% of the snaps last week. He was uh, up there in air yards. 
uh, for them. I think he's the guy that I'm looking to. He's had some ceiling games this year, 11 for 140, 16 for, for 217. So we know, like, this guy can can break a slate. I mean, Stills last week, he was fine, but when you score two touchdowns, you kind of hope to get to 20 fantasy points, and he didn't do that. So uh, Hopkins is the obvious name. I think Will Fuller, though, is is definitely the guy I'd rather pay – He's 5,900 on DraftKings, and uh, he's a little bit more than Stills, but I'm okay paying it. I think he's just got more upside and is going to see the field more. All right, we got the next game on the Saturday slate, 430. It's the least sexy DFS game on this slate, but it is – I mean, to me it is, and it, but it's probably the sexiest matchup from a betting perspective. Uh, Six-and-a-half-point favorites, New England at home against Buffalo coming off the Monday night win in Pittsburgh. Total sitting even. It's 38-and-a-half. K-Rods, this thing's just sitting. The line has not moved either way. Tell me why that is at this point. There's just They just set it right? I think that, uh, number one, people are finally buying into the Bills and seeing what uh, they've done defensively, what they've done on the road. This is a team that's 6-1 and one on the road, and their only loss came to Cleveland in a three-point defeat. But as a road dog, Holden, they've won at Pittsburgh. They've won at Dallas. They've won at Tennessee. So, and I mean, even at the Jets, that was earlier earlier in the season, week one, where we didn't know what the Jets would be. We didn't know what the Bills would be. So I know it seems now ridiculous that the Bills were an underdog against the Jets. But at the same time, they played New England tough the first time. They lost 16-10. to 10. They gave up a defensive touchdown or special teams touchdown in that game to the Patriots. They held Tom Brady down in that one. But Josh Allen couldn't get anything going. And, and they lose 16-10, to 10, but they covered. And they look at the Patriots where – offensively we've seen them struggle at times and I just think that people are now looking at Buffalo as a viable team that can hang with the Patriots Uh, I mean obviously the AFC East title is still there for Buffalo they'd have to win this week and hope that the Patriots lose to the Dolphins in week 17 the Bills would beat the Jets but at the same time you know, Buffalo, maybe they make some noise in the playoffs. Who knows? And I think after seeing what they did against Dallas on Thanksgiving in front of a nationally televised audience, the same thing against Pittsburgh, it's, it's kind of waking people up to them and saying that the Bills maybe aren't too bad. Yeah, and then I tell if they win the East and they knock down the Patriots here, I think McDermott's the coach of the year, not Harbaugh. I mean, to me, what he's done there over the last three years, he's been absolutely amazing. This was a morbid franchise, just horrible, and now he's turned them into winners again. A lot of people were doubting Josh Allen. Josh Allen has turned into um, a less sloppy quarterback, I guess. But which way do you lean here? It's that Patriots defense at home that's got me a little concerned if you're on the Buffalo side. It is, and obviously the Patriots lost at home last time out against the Chiefs a few weeks ago, so they will definitely – uh, want to get back to the win, the, the win column. The last three losses for the Patriots have come against Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, and Patrick Mahomes. Those are three quality quarterbacks, and I don't know if we're ready to put Josh Allen in that class. I don't think we are. So that's kind of the concern there. And then you'd look at the other side and say, well, New England, are they going to have that good bounce-back game against – I mean, obviously they just beat Cincinnati, but – a good bounce back game against a quality team. And they've had some struggles against these teams that are maybe going to be in the, I mean, we know Kansas city is going to the playoffs and Baltimore is going to be the number one seed most likely. And Houston, we see may win the South that Buffalo is going to be a playoff team. And can the Patriots beat a team like that? And, and, and that's really the big concern. 
I, I, I'm not too sold on this game. It's just a tough one because, you know, you, this can be a close one and the Patriots can open it up and win 24-17, 24-16 and cover. So that's the one thing that scares me about them. But I think that, uh, that the Patriots, you know, they'll obviously be ready to play. But for Buffalo, I think they have sights higher than the wild card. They're not just settling here. And if they lose, okay, we'll go to the wild card. I think they have the AFC East championship still in their sights. Well, I'll just say this, uh, Dan. Maybe this is where the GPPs are won because I'm having a hard time coming up with anything. Josh Allen threw three picks. No touchdowns, three picks in the first game at home against New England. You have, you know, what running back stands out to you? Maybe James White, wide receiver. Julian Edelman is hobbled. I don't think you can really trust Edelman coming up in week 16. Forget about the tight end. So what are we doing here? We're just going with the defenses? Well, I mean, that's not a, it's not a bad idea here, but you kind of nailed it. It's a three-game slate. So we're limited on options anyway, and this is going to be a game that, you know, there, there's not a lot to get excited about, at least in the quarterback, wide receiver kind of stacks of things. Um, Buffalo, you can run on a little bit. You know, you can run on the gut, run up the gut on these guys a little bit. Sony Michelle last week, uh, 4,600 now his salary. He was 19 for 89, uh, didn't get in the end zone last week. But if he did, you know, you're more than paying off that salary. Uh, and then, of course, James White. He's a guy who has really stepped up this season, the, the second half of the year, getting more involved in the passing game. And they need him to because you nailed it. Edelman's a guy who's banged up right now. And with Tredavious White, one of the top corners out there, is there anywhere else we can potentially look for New England? And call me crazy because he's been a complete and utter waste this year. But this could be a spot at 3,800. I think we can fire up Mohamed Sanu. He had eight targets last week, only managed 13 yards, but at least is still getting looks. Uh, Yeah, Nikhil Harry scored a touchdown, but still only four targets for him. Not in nearly at the – at the, as the level of, of Sanu. So at under 4K, I think he's a interesting one-off for us in this game. And you, you nailed the tight ends. There's really nowhere I want to go. So uh, the Buffalo side, uh, the one name I think we can look at here, it, it's not going to be John Brown. He's got to be the one that's facing Stephon Gilmore, who, by the way, I don't know if he's getting consideration for Defensive Player of the Year, but that guy has been incredible and should be. Uh, so I think it could be a Cole Beasley week. You know, last time I told you it was Cole Beasley week, we had seven or six for 110 and a touchdown on on uh, Thanksgiving. This could be a week where he's the one that needs to get those those targets because throwing to Gilmore, it's been a losing proposition this season, and I don't I don't see it working here. I think Gilmore is the best cornerback in the NFL. I'll sure. tell you that right now. He's just shutting everybody down. What he did to Amari Cooper was terrific too. But, um, you know, the other thing, if you go to a showdown slate real quick, I mean, I can see using the Patriots defense. If you really want to get, as a captain, if you really want to get crazy, Buffalo. But maybe we got angry Tom Brady now. He has to catch up to Drew Brees and the touchdown. I, I don't know. I just don't, <laughs> I don't I like know if that. he's – I don't know if he's got it anymore, but we're about to find out. k Rod's total is 38 and a half. I mean, uh, can we get a couple defensive touchdowns? This is a low total. It is. We saw 37 in the Pittsburgh game on Sunday night, and it, and it obviously stayed well under at 17 to 10. And uh, for Buffalo, they've 11 and 3 to the under this year on the road, under at Pittsburgh, under at Dallas, under at Cleveland, under at Tennessee, under at the Jets, all's a road dog. So in that position, they have fared well, and we saw how New England struggled to score against them 
before they met in Buffalo earlier this season. I usually like to say, and I think I said this last week, about the flip-flopping on the second matchup. It didn't work out for the Bears-Packers last week, even if they almost had that, that lateral play at the end that almost pushed it over. But it's just hard to think that these two teams will light it up. Even if New England oh. blows them out, I can't see this being a 35-17 game. I just don't think that's the case. I mean, New England, if they run away with this, they could win a 23-7 and stay way under the total. I just can't see where Buffalo will uh, match New England point for point in a high-scoring game. I think this stays under. DB, was that you sighing or was my dog passed out in the no, corner? That was me. I mean, I, I kind of agree with you. I mean, it's just such a bad spot for both these offenses. I mean, because mm-hmm. uh, they're not good, and then you're facing defenses that are good. So, like, how does this game get over? And I think the only way it gets over is if we have defensive scores here, which isn't an impossibility. I mean, New England seemingly does it every single week, um, but it, it's hard to predict such a thing. So, uh, I, you know, this is, again, a spot where I think on a three-game slate for DFS, you can pick and choose a few guys to throw in. Um, but any sort of game stack, I just, just can't see it working here at all. Yeah, I like the um, – well, I, I think the game stack is the two defenses sure. maybe. But, uh, you know, the other thing is you mentioned Sony Michelle. To me, that's a FanDuel-specific play. James White on DraftKings. I, just, I can't trust Sony – when he's not getting the work in the passing game, you know, I th- it's tough for me to trust him. And maybe he does fall in the end zone. That's basically what you're hoping for there. Our last game's at 8.15 Eastern time. Rams, the Niners, the Niners, six and a half point favorites. The total sit at 45 and a half. K-Raj, these two teams met earlier in the year in Los Angeles. It was a spread where the Niners, I think, were three-point favorites at the time. And, uh... Then the Rams lost 20-7. to This was a blowout. I do wonder, even though the Rams looked like garbage, you know, this is still a team with some offensive firepower. San Francisco defense is really good. Six and a half points. Can the Rams keep it within six and a half? That's the big question here. I definitely think so. I mean, number one, going back to that game in Los Angeles, that was a game that Jared Goff threw for 78 yards and Todd Gurley didn't play. So we got to keep that into account going into this second matchup and the Rams are four and one straight up and against the spread as a road underdog under hmm. Sean McVay. So they've only had one other, excuse me, let me rephrase that. It's a four and one against the spread three and two straight up because they lost to Seattle on that Thursday night game when Zerline missed that late field goals, a one and a half point dog. They lost by one. So it's only their second opportunity as a road dog. And we all saw how they were embarrassed by Dallas last week as a road favorite. And now you're nearly a touchdown underdog against San Francisco. And everyone would say, well, the Niners have to bounce back after losing to the Falcons. And I'm not too sure. I think that the Rams, even though they're probably not going to go to the playoffs, just the way things are breaking with the way Seattle and Minnesota have been as the two wildcard representatives, Seattle can still win the West. But those two teams are head and shoulders above the rest of the wildcard teams, the NFC. I think that the Rams here – now people are down on them a bit that you're getting some value with them and the Rams can still win their final two games of the season. They get Arizona next week. I think that the Rams are worth a strong look here, getting a nice Mm. amount of points. DB to me, the most intriguing uh, storyline is running back from this game. You know, uh, Todd Gurley has, you know, he's fallen in the end zone. That's what we need. 18 and a half DK points 
at least over the last three weeks. In the last two weeks, he's gotten over 20. He's got 21.3 and 20.8. So going up against the stout San Francisco defense, can you trust him? And then on the other side, Breida and Coleman, their workload has just shrunk. Mostert's getting between 12 and 16 touches. He's extraordinarily efficient. So can we trust either one of these running backs? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, Mostert's a guy who I, I love it when he gets the ball. He always seems to go forward. You know, he's got a burst to him, but it's they just refuse to make him be the guy. I mean, 16 touches last week is nice, but do I want to play him over Todd Gurley for just 200 more, who last week played just about every snap, got every single running back touch? It's, it's hard to do that. So uh, this is a tough spot. This is a real interesting game because I don't know that I trust Jared Goff at all against the pass rush that he's mm-hmm. going to have here. But yet you've got some pretty decent valued receivers, a guy like Brandon Cooks. Yes, he's been totally out of the rotation here lately, but only only 4,300 did get some, some looks last week. Cup, he's 6,600, and he's got touchdowns in three consecutive games. So it's tempting – but then on the flip side, you got San Francisco, and you got guys like Sanders and Debo and Bourne. I mean, these three guys are on the field uh, a ton. I mean, Sanders and, and Samuel were like over 90% last game. Uh, it, it's a really interesting spot because that San Francisco team just spreads it out so much that it's hard to you know invest in any one player but George Kittle. And is he going to see 17 targets again this week? Probably not, but man, he's been the most consistent over the last five, six weeks, and uh, and I'm not sure that changes here. Yeah, I don't feel good about Jared Goff, though. I mean, it's no, I don't. against garbage defense. He's fine. This is another good defense. I don't know what happened to this guy. Uh, they're like, oh, he turned a corner. No, he didn't. He played a couple of bad defenses. Then we had the De- the Dallas game where he was horrible, um, and then gr- they couldn't run the ball last week. So. That's my other thing about Gurley. I like, you know, I like the fact that he's getting the ball so much, but he's not the same guy that he was last year. Um, he hit 20 miles an hour earlier this season. That was nice, but he just looks a little bit slower, and I'm having a hard time trusting him. I might actually – listen, you yeah, can I have mean, exposure to a lot of guys, but Mostert, to me, has been a lot more efficient. Yeah, I mean, Gurley was under two yards per carry last week. I mean, he got you 20 DraftKings points um, because he had those two touchdowns, but – the dude was bad when they gave him the ball, where Mostert, you know, last week, it's only four yards per carry, but the week before, 6.9, 7.7, 7.5. So, again, this is a guy who, when he gets the ball in his hands, he's way more effective. Uh, I like him this week. I'm willing to play him because, again, the running back position in general is a mess. There's no Ezekiel Elliott. There's no Christian McCaffrey on a on a three-game slate here. So, nobody you're going to feed – be particularly comfortable with um but uh but you know he's clearly the best guy that we want in the san francisco uh backfield but man todd Gurley, i don't know i mean if they start falling behind i just i mean i guess they check down to him a little bit but Mm -hmm. uh, at 6300 like is that really where i want to spend up i don't know and and i think what we need to look at on this build from a dfs side of things is i think this is a clear double tight end kind of week because you've got Kittle who hmm. looks like maybe the most sure thing we've got on the slate uh, outside of maybe a new Hopkins. You've got Tyler Higby who it's not yep. a fluke anymore, dude. I mean, 20 fantasy points or more in three consecutive games, 25 targets the last two weeks. 
Howard, Brait, those guys are going to be top targets there uh, at cheap prices for Winston. So uh, I don't have an issue at all going double tight end, especially on these shorter three-game slates. Yeah, Higby's way underpriced on DraftKings, 5K. I mean, he's a, he's a legit top five tight end right now as we wind down the season. 45.5K, Raj, that's the total. I don't know which way to go. I'm completely fading the total in this game. I think that, and like I mentioned before about Buffalo, New England, the first time around was low scoring, and now the second time probably stays the same. I think you go opposite this time. It was 20-7 to 7 the first time, and you had a 49 total, and now the number has dropped to 45-46. And after that just terrible performance by the Rams the first time around at home that uh, maybe you get a little better of a performance here, and the Rams were lit up by the Cowboys last week and I know the Rams defense has still been fairly good in the last six or seven weeks I mean Dallas and Baltimore totally lit them up but besides that I know they've been better but I still think now maybe you take advantage of of the drop and we see that San Francisco they had some struggles against Atlanta last week on offense after they had the big game against New Orleans so maybe you get these teams into a a 27-24 game a 27-20 game and go over. Hey, uh, Dan, throw, I, I, yeah, go on. I want to throw one thing out because he brought up the Rams defense, and I think they're kind of interesting too, um, mainly because if you look at their production this year in DFS, they've actually been pretty darn good most of the year. Last week wasn't the case you know, against Dallas, but they had 14 fantasy points against Seattle, 18 against Arizona, 9 against Chicago, 19 against Pittsburgh, 21 against Atlanta, 9 against Cincinnati, uh, you know, that's the kind of production you like. They've got a great pass rusher there in Aaron Donald. They've got a shutdown corner in Jalen Ramsey. So they actually do bring a lot to the table. I do wonder how San Francisco is going to react after that that tough loss last week to Atlanta, which, by the way, I mean, talk about just a total uh, look-ahead spot. I mean, big win against uh, against the Saints and then following up with this division game against the Rams. I mean, who – that looked like now in retrospect a very obvious letdown spot but uh I'll be curious to see if maybe the Rams pick something up from that game that they can exploit I think they're an interesting defense as a punt if you're not going to play somebody from Patriots or Bills well Dan, let, me, let me let me interrupt for one sec Holden that uh I, we brought up last week Dan you weren't here but I'm going to take a step further on the Falcons that with San Francisco it was Green Bay Baltimore New Orleans you have on the flip side the Rams and Seahawks, and then in the middle, Atlanta. So you had five huge games, and then Atlanta in the middle, who has been a failure. I know they played better. So that's where it was like, wow, like this was going to be probably a really tough game for the 49ers to get up for just because of what huh. you dealt with the previous three weeks. Well, that's what I was going to ask you, buying the, the uh, narrative of the look-ahead game. Yeah, I always have a hard time believing that teams do that, but then you look at human nature, and it happens. You okay, know, Houston so. against Buffalo. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. So, you know, the week before uh, they played New England. You I, mean I Denver, believe, Dan. Or Denver. What, Denver. Yeah. Houston, Denver. They played New England, won that game, then played Denver, got smoked, had a division game rival coming with Tennessee and, and showed up and played well. I think it's a real thing with these guys. Well, maybe the Texans then. <laughs> go, go look back at that. They're coming off a big division game where they might have wrapped things up there. So, uh, oh, real quick, I did want to ask you about the Texans running backs because we didn't get into them. Carlos Hyde coming off a 26-carry game, you know, Duke Johnson, anything? Duke is interesting just because of the reception floor he has. I mean, he, last game it really wasn't there against Tennessee, but he had six receptions against Denver, 
five against New England. I mean, that's 11 fantasy points before you count anything else. Obviously, he isn't going to get a ton of carries. Um, I'd much prefer to go there than Carlos Hyde, who uh, I've called him a slug on numerous occasions. And <laughs> even though he, he got there last week against Tennessee, uh, against Tampa Bay, a team that's really good and stopping the run just feels like a bad spot. All right, guys, that's it. That's the Saturday slate. Had a good time with it. Uh, K-Raj, VegasInsider.com. What's going on? Lots going on. We got uh, NFL coming down the stretch. We have the bowl season coming up this week, guys. Bahamas Bowl, Frisco Mm. Bowl on Friday. So set your DVRs for that one. And then we have, uh, obviously, NBA continues and college basketball. I know it's a bit of a, a dead time during finals, but then we have conference play starting up in about two weeks for good. So we have all of that. So it's a a very busy time. But the Bulls, obviously, we're looking ahead to the two big ones with the Fiesta and the Peach, with LSU and Oklahoma and Mm -hmm. Clemson, Ohio State. So we have those. And uh, just looking ahead to uh, a lot here in the holidays. Can we talk about those next week, maybe? Maybe? Bowl games? Yeah. I'm great with that, Lines and lineups, right? It is lines and lineups. Yeah. Let's cut down on the NFL. Three games there, two college games. That'll be a lot of fun. I'd enjoy that. Um, Yeah, plus, you're poo-pooing college hoops. Kansas filling over this weekend. Come on. That's a huge game in college basketball. Where's that game at? Number one team. It's in Philly. That means Kansas is losing, right? Because every number one team loses? Yes. (laughs) They they just break my heart all the time. Uh, DB... You know, um, a lot of NBA stuff. If you're into NBA on DFS, I got to tell you, I rarely watch uh, anything besides for Denver Nuggets games at this point. But I started listening to Crunch Time, and I'm winning. I mean, it really is amazing. Yeah. Like, as far as the data that you guys are given, there's a guy by the name of JSU who's one of my buddies. He's one of the brightest minds in the game. I mean, check it out. Check out the NBA stuff, even if you don't watch it. I'm successful right now just from listening to advice yeah, uh, before I mean- the lineups. I would say, you know, if you want to get into it, sub to our premium content for a month, mess around with Lineup HQ, watch our Crunch Time show. You can download the Lineup HQ Express app and you can build the phone or build your lineups, you know, on a lineup builder right on your app. It makes it so much easier. Uh, Give it a try. Definitely might be surprised how successful you're going to be, even if you're not a huge NBA guy. Also want to pump up uh, college football. Bowl season is here for DFS as well. So uh, 40 bucks. It's going to be 40 bucks for the rest of the bowl season. You're going to get mm. all of our content, access to Lineup HQ, and uh, all of our expert picks that we have for DFS, including sports betting, where as a group, I think we finished at uh, upwards of like 59% on our weekly picks. We gave two picks mm. each per person, so uh, pretty profitable there. So uh, check that out. Again, that's standalone, separate of our uh, premium product that includes NBA and NFL. But if you want to do college, uh, check that out. And one little preview, if you're on the SharpSide app, don't forget to be making your uh, your free little wagers on there and start doing – the lock bets because we've got a promotion centering around those and the more of those you have when this promotion starts the better off you're going to be so you get uh, basically one lock pick at a time any line under one 140 or less you can make that your top bet your lock bet and uh, you try and build a streak on that and uh, look for that to be launching here fairly shortly but get ahead of k-raj you should be rolling with that man completely crushing it Come on, you got the advantage. You're you're a Vegas insider, man. We're just lowly grinders. 
lowly roto grinder. <laughs> right, excuse me. Uh, that's it. Hey guys, like I said, it's always one of my favorite shows doing this one with you for K Raj. Check out VegasInsider.com. For Dan Bach, check out Roto Grinders. I'm holding Kushner. Devin, great work back in Nashville when we don't have any problems. That's when you do your best work. <laughs> we never have problems. Never. Take care, everybody. Thank you.